0: Good morning, church. Welcome to Living. Hope it is so good to see you this morning. Just stand your feet and we are gonna worship together.
1: I'm oh. so oh.
0: we thank you that we come to church and praise your name. We thank you for this day that you have made. We rejoice and be glad and We just, we praise you and we thank you for all that you are. You're so worthy of all of our praise this morning. God, I pray for any distractions in the room right now. I pray that they will be removed and we will just fix our eyes on you. We will fix our eyes on you and we will worship you churches sing this together and there's a grace when the heart is under fire. My author, my maker, my ransom, my savior, and to know, church, whatever you need this morning, yeah. God will provide it. Yeah. No, can you just put it? You you're my author, my maker, my ransom, my savior, my refuge, my hiding place. I don't know what you're going through, but maybe you need God need to say, God, you are my refuge. You are my hiding place. You're my helper, my healer. No matter what I'm going through, I'm going to stand and I'm going to declare that this morning. So maybe you need to do that this morning. Maybe you need to declare these things and say, do you know what? No matter what I'm going through this morning, I'm going to declare and I'm going to proclaim that my God is my author. My God is my maker. My God is my ransom. My God is my savior. My God is my refuge. My God is my hiding place. My God, you are my helper and my healer. God is a God who heals this morning. Maybe people need to hear that this morning. Your God is the God who will heal you this morning. He will help you this morning. through No matter what you're going through, He is your refuge this morning. So we're going to sing that, and we're not just going to sing the words. We're going to sing the words, and we're going to declare them this morning. So let's declare it this morning. Because you're my that I do and you're my. our praise God we just fix our eyes on you in this moment we just say thank you thank you for who you are thank you for the cross thank you for what you did on that cross, thank you for taking our place on that cross You're so worthy of all of our praise in Jesus name we pray Church, you can be seated. Good
2: morning, everyone to see everyone out this morning, and on such a lovely morning, I'm here to praise God and give God all the glory for what he's done, friends, and it's lovely to see so many out this morning. Uh, just as we come round the table this morning, and just a few wee thoughts that God has put on my heart this morning, and it's found in Psalm 145. And I've picked out a few wee verses, but one verse in particular, you know when you're reading something and it just seems to highlight out, um, uh, rather than going through it all, there's one wee line just highlights out, and here's what it is. I'll read it from the start, but I'm not going to read the whole, the, whole, the whole chapter, but it says, I will extol thee, my God, O King. And I will bless thy name forever and ever. That's a long time, isn't it? And that's the, the length of time, friends, that we will bless the Lord, friends. And here's what it says. And every day, every day, not just Sundays, Sunday mornings, but every day, will I bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever Verse 3, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. It's all about praise this morning. And we've been listening to the We Praise team this morning, bringing us uh, into his presence with praise. And here's what it says. Verse 3, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And, And this is the line, friends, that stood out. Here's what it says. And his greatness is unsearchable. You know, we can search a lot of things. We can see uh, on TV where it's advertising about family trees. Where you can search your family tree. And you can search this and search this. But the word of God says that his greatness is unsearchable. Unsearchable, friends, because he's the beginning and he's the end. And you know, this morning, friends, just a few wee thoughts that uh, what it says is greatness. You know, I remember uh, as a young man, and I'm sure you remember, a lot of us remember, Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali, he changed his name a few times but he went about saying that he was the greatest <clears throat> I am the greatest France. what a what a, a, a myth he was living under France. he's away he's gone God lives forever he is the greatest France. and you know friends uh, just uh, yesterday morning, I was watching the news on TV, and there was uh, about a guy. Can't remember his name, but this guy had motor neuron disease. I don't know why anybody watched it, but he had motor neuron disease, and he had an ambition to get to the top of Mount Snowdon in Wales, big high mountain in Wales. And uh, but he was in a wheelchair and I showed you him in a wee buggy, wee electric buggy, and his ambition was to get to the top of Snowden. Now he, he couldn't do it on his own strength, and the reason that it drew me interest because my brother died of motor neuron disease and so it showed me Bit more interest to sit and watch it, and uh, he planned the day to get to the top of this mountain, friends. And the day that he planned, my goodness, there must have been the loads of friends that he had, that met him, that had ramps, that had different, that had ropes or, or, or straps. Onto his wee buggy to pull him along, to help him along, to help him get over all the obstacles that he would face. Now, it it struck my heart because there's a few things that happened, and me, that that was marvellous. And this guy had a smile on his face. Even with his condition, he had a smile on his face lovely lovely uh jack money was and it showed you they all rallied round they got him over the obstacles over the ramps over the different things and eventually they got to the top i'm sure you're wondering what this has got to do with what i'm talking about this morning but a wee lesson i learned out of this friends was when he got to the top It was a a mucky, rainy, misty day. And they took him to the edge to look down. And he couldn't see a thing. There was mist, fog. He couldn't see a thing, friends. And you know, friends, maybe we're like that maybe with God's greatness and we know that the greatness of God and we look around his creation and we see the goodness and the greatness of his creation and maybe it's blotted out maybe we just can't see it this morning this chap couldn't see where he had climbed up to he couldn't see nothing below But let me tell you, friends, it was still there. It was still there. And, you know, maybe all our doubts and different things about God and about the things of God doesn't matter, friends. If we can't see it this morning, it's still there. God hasn't moved and God hasn't changed, friends. He's the beginning and the ending. He's a great God this morning. His riches is unsearchable. Some other verses in the same chapter. Verse 8 says, The Lord is gracious. He's full of compassion. He's slow to anger. He's great mercy and tender mercy. Verse 14 says, He upholdeth all who fall. What a God we have this morning, friends. We could do nothing else when we love him this morning. We could do nothing else. Maybe you're feeling you're a bit weary in different things, but let me tell you this morning, God is the greatest thing that's ever, Jesus is the greatest thing that's ever happened to all our lives this morning. He's took us from... Death to life. He's brought us from darkness to light. He's a God that we can say is the greatest this morning. And you know, he done it because he went to the cross, France. He conquered it all. A lot of great men. A lot of great achievements. And you could say they were the greatest footballers. They were the greatest uh of inventors and they're gone friends they're gone but jesus lives on friends and he's he's given us that gift this morning that he's given us the gift of eternal life we're going to spend the rest of our lives forever and ever with him friends and this morning as we come round the table this morning. As we come round the table friends, it says, Corinthians 11, 23. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take it. This is my body, which is broken for you. This too, in remembrance of me. So, this morning, as we take this bread, if, you're, if you love the Lord this morning, feel free this morning just to take the first we layer for the bread. And then the sacrament we is to juice. So this morning. We give you thanks, Lord, this morning for your greatness. We give you thanks this morning for your goodness. And we thank the Lord this morning. Lord, for the body that was broken for us. Lord, we can say no one greater. There's no one, Lord, that's done what you have done. Lord Jesus, and we pray this morning as we take this bread. Lord, you will bless it to our bodies. For we ask it in your precious name. Amen. <coughs> And after the same manner also, he took the cup. And when he had stopped saying, this cup is a new testament in my blood, this do you as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Thank the Lord, this morning for the blood that was shed. We thank you as we take this cup this morning. Lord, there's healing in this cup this morning. And Lord, we just pray, Lord, as we take these emblems this morning. Lord, help us to really appreciate what you've done for us this morning. Accept our thanks for we ask in your precious and holy name.
0: Do you understand your freedom? We're going to sing a song before Pastor Matt comes to bring the world. <laughs>
3: Good morning. Thank you for being here today. Just a couple of announcements, uh, just of things that are happening. We're a very busy month in May, uh, so we're really looking forward to all that's going on tonight. Um, It's evening service at 6.30. We are preaching tonight on, uh, I'll explain a bit more about this on the the back here in a minute. We are preaching tonight on uh, the woman who comes to Jesus, who was unwell, and Jesus heals her. And after the sermon tonight, we simply just want to pray uh, for people who are unwell. So that's the invitation uh, for you for tonight's service that starts at 6.30. Um, This weekend, one of the things that has happened obviously over the last couple of years is we haven't been able to run any of our camps or weekends away, uh, which have been memorable for many years, many, many years of finding your trainers filled with shaving foam and... uh, (laughs) 100 cups full of water outside your room but this weekend is the kids church weekend and we're delighted that there's over 50 kids and leaders going down to Seaview House uh, in Kilkeel and I know they're really looking forward to that. Camp's always a great opportunity not just to get to know the kids but also to invest uh, what we believe in the lives of the kids over the weekend and stuff so we're so looking forward to Uh, well I'm not looking forward to going because I'm not going but uh, the team that is going please pray for Rebecca Hughes as she leads us it's a big responsibility to take away kids leaders and do all of this and so uh, pray for them for this weekend next Sunday night is another one of our testimony nights Uh, we have a guy coming called Tim Shields who is a pastor of the Omer Community Church which is part of CCI Uh, and he has an amazing story Uh, everybody has an amazing testimony Uh, we know that uh, and some people just have a different one that just draws people in uh, to hear how God has changed their life and so Tim has an amazing testimony so we don't put this on for the benefit of the church To give you a nice night out. We don't do that. We put this on for the benefit of you. To say to people. Would you like to come to church. And hear this guy uh, share his story. His life story. So please do that. There were some flyers there. in, In the foyer there. Let's just pray before we come around the word. Father we thank you this morning. We gather in your house. We worship. Come around your table. Just to remember what you've done for us. Through your son. Father God, we thank you. The church is the hope of the world, Father God. It's your vehicle to get your message out, to tell the world that you love them, that you sent your son to die for them. And as we come around your word now, Father God, we always know it has something to say to us. Because it is a living word. And we thank you for that. I pray you'll just bless it as we just share it now. In Jesus' name, Amen. Our new sermon series for May and June is asking a question, what are you wearing? Now, not specifically this morning, but just uh, what are you wearing? Because um, there are many things that are said in the Bible about some of the things that we need to wear as believers. Uh, this is not going to be a sermon series about what you wear to church you know should you wear a suit should you wear a tie should ladies wear dresses there's nothing to do with that we're not even covering that our attitude in church is this you can wear what you want to church as long as you wear something so that's probably (laughs) covers that in a way but there are many things that are said in the bible about the sort of things that we are to wear and you can see uh, Naomi behind us has helped us out Uh, by putting all of these things upon the wall that are some of the things that the bible encourages to wear and to dress as as believers and these are uh, the important things so we can see a garment of praise a new outfit expectation armor crowns clothe yourself with christ joy yourself with compassion the power and righteousness Uh, this crowns one is the pastor's bible study for this tuesday night and it's the five crowns that we get given to wear so if you want to come on tuesday night it's the pastor's bible study at eight o'clock so we're going a little bit deeper as to see what we should be wearing because clothes matter to us don't they there's no point any of us saying that what we wear doesn't matter Because people will spend an absolute fortune on getting the right outfit. If you're invited to a wedding, if you're invited to a function, ladies will go out and you want to pick that right dress, the particular dress that looks just right on you. There are names that we wear when it comes to fashion. Uh, says, I have to ask my kids because I'm not very up to date with the fashion type of things but it's a Hugo Boss and ASOS and all those other stuff no have I got that right no they're all laughing at me I swear they give me the wrong ones just to make me look stupid why because it matters it matters what we wear doesn't it I mean, you know, none of us went to our wardrobe this morning with our eyes closed and just grabbed the first outfit and that's what we put on. Maybe some of you did, but not everybody went and put that on. You'll be pleased to know this morning that when I got dressed, I went to my wardrobe to put my clothes on and not Athena's wardrobe to put her clothes on. Because that might have created a bit of controversy because it matters what people wear we're concerned with what we wear and clothing has many functions in the natural it makes us modest it protects us it identifies us I mean you will notice the church is packed this morning but there's nobody in here wearing a Manchester United shirt is there (laughs) just saying just saying or the Manchester City one for that matter so it says so because what we wear identifies us with with, with something, and, and so, you know, people want to be fashionable, you know, the, the younger end probably wants it, fashion is all important, uh, you know, what they wear and you look at it, have you noticed with fashion, says I'm getting on a bit now, 50 now, and fashion just comes around in a full circle, doesn't it? I mean, I try and tell my kids, uh, you know, the Adidas trainers uh, that everyone wears now and goes, oh, they're really cool, they're fashionable. And I'm like, we were wearing those 30 years ago. They were fashionable then. I mean, now when young people wear these baggy, flary jeans, I mean, come on, how many people love the Bay City Rollers in here? You all remember that? They all comes round in a full circle. All this fashion comes round. And so, you know, so there are lots of different reasons that people... Uh, wear clothes, it'd be a uniform, uh, people costumes, uh, some people wear clothes because they think it makes them look more attractive, you know, they look at it and think, and, you know, I've got to look good, you know what I mean, and, and wearing this will make me look good because their image is important to them, this is what people think when they come in and, and what they're wearing, so there's no point in pretending that, that in the natural what we wear doesn't matter because it does. But it has to matter more in the spiritual if the Bible talks about all the stuff as we as Christians have to dress as and the sort of stuff that we have to wear. You know, throughout our lives we wear many different clothes. I had wanted to put some photos up this morning of what my mum used to dress me as, but I would never live it down. And there was a photo, of two brothers and a sister, and the first question I asked my mum was why? And she dressed us in this like, red and white, not because it was a Liverpool supporter, this red and white stripy top and these red and white stripy shorts. But the stripes went that way on the shirt, the stripes went that way on the shorts. But the socks were red and white stripy as well. But I was wearing red and my brother was wearing blue and my other brother was wearing green and my sister was wearing a yellow dress. And the question you have to ask is, Why? <laughs> why? And we've all got photos like that in our past, haven't we? We've all got photos that we would not want people to see on this screen because we thought at the time that was really fashionable. When I first met Athena, says I had purple tartan trousers, and they were fashionable. They were. I've been. No, she still felt for me, so it must have worked. Purple tartan trousers. Uh, and everybody in the 90s was wearing tartan trousers. They were checking up, honestly, they were. And, you know, and so through time and through history, we wear these things. I mean, today we have instant with cameras, don't we? You see something that somebody's wearing, everybody's like, click, look at that. And then put it on social media so a million other people see it. I mean, famous award shows like the Oscars and stuff, you know, when you know, the, 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 you know, the ladies arrive in the dresses and the first question they ask is... Uh, you know whose dress are you wearing you know so that really matters who who's picked you you know for that dress and the name attached to the dress is all the more important I mean Kate Middleton I mean you know married to Prince William I mean when she wears a dress on a Tuesday it sells out on a Wednesday isn't that true because it matters what people wear and so we're coming to this series to say in the naturally matters but in the spiritual it matters even more and so to begin with today our first our first one is being clothed with Christ uh, and this comes from the words of Romans 13 and verses 8 to 14 where Paul is writing uh, to the church in Rome uh, and it finishes that thought telling them to clothe themselves with Christ the words are there before you on the screen it says let no debt remain outstanding Except the continuing debt to love one another, for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command Love your neighbour as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbour, therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over, the day is almost here, so let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armour of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing, and drunkenness not in sexual immorality and debauchery not in dissension and jealousy rather clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh the context that this is written in as it comes to this final verse here in chapter 13 is simply this as Paul is describing to the church in Rome simply what it looks like to live as a Christian. What what you must be wearing uh, to live as a Christian. And it's the response of the great mercy of God. That God has shown great mercy to his people through his son Jesus Christ. And the response here is that it matters what we wear. And primarily here to the church in Rome Paul just simply says he's clothed himself with Christ. Well, what does that mean? Because before that he simply said this. He said well there's only one debt that you have to pay now and that's a debt to love one another. He says they had been consumed by keeping the law, thinking, even though, as believers, because uh, Christ had gone to the cross for them, they thought that actually there's still this part of the law that we must keep. But actually, Paul turns around, writes to them, and says, Listen, all the law points to this one thing. There's a debt of love that you must pay, a debt of love both this way towards God, but also this way towards others. Uh, and so this is what's happened and so we must be so united and identified with christ that we actually imitate his pattern for living actually the clothes that we put on the spiritual clothes are, are is christ himself we adopt his principles obey his commands and become like him You see, they're the alternative to the immorality that was around We're going to remember he's writing to the church in Rome. They are surrounded by sin and immorality. They are surrounded by all sorts of evil going on. And rather than Paul saying blend in and try and stand out by blending in and stuff, he says, no, he says it must be a complete removing and putting all of that off and clothing yourself with Christ. And so we want to take a look at what that means. Because the crunch of this is this. Is when people look at us, do they see Christ? Do they see Christ? That's what it means to be clothed with Christ. When when they see us, do they see Christ? By our actions, by our words, by the way that we live, by the way that we speak. that's a big challenge. It's a big challenge for everybody. But when people look at us, do they see Christ? How do they see Christ? Because we are clothed with Christ. There is clothing that we wear that identifies with Christ Jesus, who we've given our life to and we want to follow. You see, the New Testament uses the clothing imagery to describe three different but closely related aspects of our relationship with Christ. It has to affect our union, which means who we belong to. But by what we wear spiritually, not what we wear physically that's that's it's important but it's not essential what's more important is what we're wearing spiritually that identifies our union with christ with who we belong to with who we follow but it also does this it identifies our relationship in our transformation which means people can see that we've changed that we live different. That we are different by the transformation that has gone on in our life. That's how we clothe ourselves with Christ. It's only Christ that could have changed us. And the third thing we see is our identity. That we see here that actually we identify, our identity is found in Christ. It's almost like Paul is saying as he writes these words to the church in Rome leave these things but take up these things there's not space in the middle to sit on the fence it is either one or it is the other but as Paul turns and he says this we're to understand the time what does he mean about the time do you understand the time it's 20 past 11 on a Sunday morning the roast beef's in the dinner I hope he doesn't go on too long because it's (laughs) going to burn the roast beef do we understand the time he says and, and here We have to understand this. There are two Greek words used for the word time. The first one is chronos. It simply means calendar time. It means a time that we have now. That that today is Sunday May the 8th. And uh, tomorrow will be May the 9th. And it's just chronological. That's where we get that word from. Time just moves on. and, And that's there. The second word that is used is keros. Which simply means a significant time. As in now is the time this is the moment Uh, this is the opportunity and this is the word that Paul uses here by saying this is the time that matters and it matters what we are clothed in because we have to be clothed in Christ that's what matters it's not the time that goes on where we think we've all the time in the world he's actually using the word that says to the church in Rome and to the church in us this is a significant time this is the time that matters. And actually he does this because he, he says this. He says because this is the time. He tells them, he says we're to wake up. Get up from your slumber. He says because not only are we sleeping. We're in, in the physical we're sleeping in the spiritual. So he's shouting this: wake up time. Get up. Now is the time. And now is the time to show the world who we're clothed with. He's challenging them by saying people need to see the way that you live. He So he turns around and, and says, well, now's the time to get up. Now, for most of us, we'll do this. And everybody's different with sleep, aren't they? There are some people that, you know, a hand grenade under the bed would not wake them up. We all know some of those people, don't we? We all know some of those people who wake up in the morning and they're a little bit grumpy. You know them, don't you? You're possibly sitting next to them. <laughs> And so for some people, some people are really irritating because they're the people that just sort of wake up, get up, it's a new morning. (laughs) I'm one of those people and they hate me for it. But it is a new morning, it's a day built with opportunity and everybody wakes up in a different way. But when it comes to waking up, the first thing most of us do is get dressed we don't, I thought, I thought to myself, the example used was, we don't stay in our pyjamas all day. But then I realised I'm on the shankle road, and then. Uh, <laughs> so I've to. So have to look at this and be careful what you say, do you know what I mean? You know, it says, we're not supposed to stay in our pyjamas all day. We're not supposed to go to Tesco's, drop the kids off at school, and do all the other stuff in our pyjamas. We're actually supposed to. Wake up, get up, and get dressed because we understand the time, the time, the opportunity that is here uh, and you see what happens is, is we have to begin to do this and train ourselves in a sense to do this, to wake up and to get up. Uh, you see, remember when you were kids, and this is probably for more my generation, and your mum bought you' something and you buy it and you sort of, the arms are hanging off the end of you and the trousers are like four sizes too big. And she'll turn around to you and say, son, don't worry about it. You'll grow into it. Like, you're eight at the time. You'll grow into it when you're about 25. But anyway, she bought those and that was it. And the Christian life is much the same. And we forget that Sometimes and actually once christ does the work in us and we begin to clothe ourselves with christ there is a sense that we grow into the clothing that he gives us you see most people struggle with their christian walk because they just think it's a decision they make at the beginning and it's not It says it's a daily commitment it's a daily walk it's that which causes you to wake up to get up to get dressed to understand what the time is well, why does he want us to wake up? Because there are three things that we need to do, every believer. The first one is this: is: faith comes by hearing. So we've got to wake up and listen to the word. Hope comes by remembering. So we've got to wake up and remember the promises of God. Love comes by action. So we've got to wake up by loving others. We don't do anything when we sleep other than droop and dream. Or snore. For sure. And anyway, just uh, <laughs> snore. But we do that. We don't do anything but dream. But the problem is most people look at it and say, it's time to just keep sleeping. We keep sleeping. And Paul's challenged them here, as they clothe themselves with Christ, is to do these things, is to, is to wake up, to get up, and to get dressed. Because you won't do any of the things we're called to do as believers, unless we do that. But he then gives them another challenge because to clothe yourself with Christ means a taking off and a rejection of the old clothes. So you're to take off your clothes, you're to take off the way that you lived before and put on the new clothes that you are given. And if you don't do that there is no evidence of the transformation of the identity of the union that you have with Christ. Because if we as the church live the same way as the world, what do they recognize? What do they see? How do they see us? We're clothed with Christ. They see us as being clothed with Christ because we're different in our belonging, in the transformation that's happened, and in our identity. They face the same problem that that we do today. Simply this the flesh is active. And as we allow it, and the truth of it is this, unfortunately. By our choices and by our decisions often, we allow and accept the things that we do. And you see, and we see that and we move and we get into all sorts of bother and all sorts of trouble and all sorts of difficulties. Because there is not a taking off and a putting on. There is a sort of blending in the middle that sort of says, well, I can sort of live both ways. and I like to do this part of my faith and the way I live but I don't really want to quit it all. And it's clear to clothe ourselves with Christ, there has to be a taking off. There has to be a taking off of the, the, the immorality. There has to be a taking off of the choices and the decisions that we make that aren't helpful for the lives that we, we live and that we want to live in Christ. And you see, the challenge that Paul gives to them here is, is that we have to pay attention to things. He says, I'm a critical, I'm a bitter. Am I resentful? Am I unforgiving? Am I jealous? These are all fleshly desires. So we move on through the clothing thing. We see there are things that we are to clothe ourselves with. But to clothe ourselves with Christ, we've got to take some things off and move some things away. You see, verse 12 tells us to put aside. And, And actually when you think about this, the meaning of the word is if I put something aside and I sort of take it from here to here but it's not really the correct meaning of the word the correct meaning of the word is to cast off to throw away to take something and to throw it so far away that it actually doesn't come back and bother you you know the, the the translation there is just um well, we'll move it from here to here and the difficulty sometimes with us as believers is we struggle because we're just moving things about we're just moving it from here to here but then sometimes it comes back to here uh, and that, and actually the word means to simply take it to, to throw it away to cast it away from us to see that actually our union and our clothing with Christ is evident because of the stuff that we've actually thrown away uh, and hear Paul in all of his writings and, and uh, this is not a modern thought because people won't want to hear this but it's it's the, it's what the scripture teaches That that actually that Paul tells us in scripture that he's always telling us the things that we're to do and the things that we're not to do. I mean it's clear that there are some things that we're to do, some things we're not to do. Uh, Paul also tells us of things that we're to give up and things that we're to take up in giving up those things. Paul's always challenging us, scripture is always challenging us when he's telling us, you know here's how you live and here's how you don't live. And that's what it means to be clothed with Christ. And that challenges us to the core. Because we just think some things are okay. Because we haven't thrown them away. We've just put them to the side. And we've just said we'll leave that there. But actually what's more important than anything else. Is our clothing with Christ. Being clothed with Christ. Because that's where our identification, our union and our transformation is there. Because when we do that. We display Christ in such a way that his character is shown and all that we say and all that we do. that's a massive challenge. That's a huge challenge. But it's a challenge that we're called to as a church to follow, to be discipled, to take up your cross daily, to lay aside your desires to do. All of those things we're instructed to do encompasses and brings us into being clothed with Christ Jesus. It tells us there, the fourth thing, to to get dressed. The key to obeying everything else in the passage is simply to be clothed in Christ. To clothe yourself with Christ is to reveal the glory of God to the world. So people would know who you belong to, who has changed you, who you identify with. The focus of our lives is not gratifying the sinful nature. We're to wake up, we're to get up, we're to put aside, we're to put on, we're to clothe ourselves. And Paul paints his picture here, moving into the new life in Christ, as trading the the darkness of day uh, for the armour of lights. That's what he says, he says we move from that darkness, and we move into the the light, the armour that we're given. And all of these things here will challenge us, because they're things that we have to put on. They're not things we can just expect to get dressed i'm 50 years old i don't expect anybody to come and dress me in the morning as simple as that we look at it in the physical but we think that should happen in the spiritual as well that people think oh spiritually somebody else should dress me actually no we shouldn't Actually, tell you to dress yourself you see you dress yourself in the physical you go to your wardrobe and you look at one shirt look at another shirt and say i'll wear that It looks better on the video camera no i don't do that but you you pick the shirt or pick what it is that you wear and we do that in the physical but in the spiritual we're waiting for people to dress us we're waiting for the pastor to give us some sort of magic word that will solve all of our issues and all of our difficulties says the magic word is clothe yourself with Christ keep coming to church keep growing in your faith you will grow into this as your mother said to you when you were younger about the clothes that you were bought so Christ says it to you this morning you will grow into this because sanctification discipleship and all the stuff that God wants to do in your life is a process and not an event that somehow you'll get prayed for and suddenly everything will be okay. Actually it won't be. And that's not taking away the prayer that we need to have for certain things. But what we're talking about here with lifestyle choices and the things that we put on and the things that we take off, they are a process of moving from the kingdom of darkness, moving to where the armor of light, taking off certain things To put on the clothing that Christ gave us. Why? Because the truth of it is this. Is being clothed with Christ is not behaviour modification. But life transformation. He says I spend hours working with people. Telling them stop this, stop this, stop this. If you stop this, if you stop this. Listen, it's not behaviour modification. We've got it the wrong way around in the church. We expect behaviour modification before life transformation. And actually we take away the work that Christ Jesus does in somebody's life because the first is always life transformation. Our lives are changed by God for the glory of God. And when our life is transformed, then the behaviour modification happens. As the spirit is working in our life, we're clothed with Christ. There are things that we know now that we should not do. There are things that we know now that we don't want to do. Because we're like, well actually I'm following what the Bible says. Or, or what Christ Jesus teaches us. And, that, and so what happens is, we've had the life transformation. And the behaviour modification comes after. Most people struggle. Because they think being a Christian is about modifying behaviour. And it's not. Being a Christian is about life transformation. And it's that life that is transformed by the power of Jesus Christ and when we struggle and when we have our difficulties it's possibly because we've got that the wrong way around and we've said oh well like if I just change my behavior before I got saved at 21 I remember thinking to myself I'm not good enough to be a Christian and I was right I was right not good enough because I thought to myself if I could just stop swearing if I could just stop the stuff that I was doing if I could just stop this I thought sort I of would reach a holy level And and then God would accept me. And lots of people think like that. But it's simply not true. There was no level to reach. It was impossible to reach any level. Because I wanted to modify my behaviour first. And make myself acceptable to God. I was never going to do that. Without the cross of Jesus Christ. That gives a transformation of somebody's life. When I got that bit the right way round. I realised my life was transformed. So the behaviour changed. The life was transformed by Christ. The behavior was changed by his Holy Spirit. It's why Colossians 3 tells us, do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. Here we go, put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. See, Christ gives us so much. And when we come to him and my time is nearly done, we we realize to be clothed with Christ that he covers us he cleanses us you know one of the first problems that when sin came into the world in genesis is adam and eve suddenly realized they were naked they had no clothes on he says what did they try and do they tried to sew fig leaves together to try and cover themselves up and, and because they were naked and they realized that they, that that because of their shame they felt ashamed because they were naked they tried trying to cover themselves it tells us in scripture it wasn't sufficient that god provided Garments to cover their nakedness. And all the way through history, right up to the cross, He says God has been concerned about covering our shame. And He does it in the ultimate way by sending His Son, Jesus Christ, to the cross. Because He is the one that not only cleanses us from our sin, but covers our shame as well. It's like Psalm 32, verse 1 says: It says, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. That's what Christ Jesus does as he transforms a life. Since we come to the end, we see four quick things. We see uh, to be clothed with Christ means his purity clothes our impurity. We see that his obedience clothes our disobedience. We see his beauty clothes our ugliness. And his perfection clothes our imperfection. So in part one of the series, we're clothed with Christ and this is what it means... That he has given us everything that we need. For life transformation and behaviour modification will follow later. For the church in Rome is telling them this is the order that you need to do. He says, listen, wake up, get up, get dressed. Now is the time. This is the opportunity. This is the right time. That actually we won't do anything if we sleep all day. We won't do anything if we don't wake up. Wake up, get dressed. The most beautiful outfit we can wear is the one that Christ has provided. Each of us will have an image in our head of the nicest outfit that we ever wore. Might be your wedding dress if you got married. It might bring back bad memories if anyway. Might be a dress that you wore uh, to some special event and you thought, I can never look any better than I did then. For us fellas, it might be the sharpest suit that you picked on the year. Uh, looked just You know, top dollar. You know what I mean, don't you fellas? And so, look top. And you see, no matter what outfit comes to our mind there, says the outfit that Christ clothes us with. Ten times, a hundred times more beautiful and attractive than that. That's what it means to be clothed with Christ. That's what it means so people see the clothing that we wear. To be clothed with Christ more beautiful Than that outfit that comes to your mind now. Let us pray. Father we thank you today. Father we're reminded in your word. That we're to be clothed with your son. The same challenge that we see to the church. In Romans here. It's the same challenge for us today. Father to be clothed in Christ. There are things that we must put off. There are things that we must take off. And Father, this word is a word of challenge. And as the challenge comes, we know your spirit is working in people's lives, working in my life to challenge us about the things that we need to get rid of, the things that we need to change because our lives have been transformed by you. And the behavior modification comes after. And so as you challenge each and every one of us today, Father, help us. To get rid of those things. To clothe ourselves with your son Jesus Christ. No more perfect outfit. No more beautiful outfit. No more acceptable outfit. Than being clothed with your son today. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen.